Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, who are, of course, our very good friends in the grooming business. Now, Halloween's coming up, and Michael Myers sure is a scary figure. But the last thing you need is to be too hairy this Halloween. Uh, so, luckily, our friends at Manscaped.com have launched their fourth-generation performance package to make sure your pumpkins get the ultimate carving experience on this spooky day. Turn your bite-sized treat into a king-sized candy. Or sweet, in this case. Uh, and join the six million men around the world who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code POLICE. That's right, the code is POLICE. Make the right call this spooky season. It's trick or trim, right? Now here's what you get. Uh, with the full moon out and the werewolf going around, uh, it's time to tackle that problem. You use the lawnmower 4.0. Uh, they use, of course, uh, advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawn Mow is easy, the greatest ball trimmer on the planet. Uh, Kevin particularly likes it. And did I mention it's also waterproof? You get the performance package with the Weed Whacker as well, which is a nose and ear trimmer that provides all sorts of good things for you. Uh, then you've got, of course, uh, the Crop Preserver, which is a ball deodorant, and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner to make sure everything just stays fresh. Also, Manscaped have launched their new Body Buffer, 100% antibacterial body scrubber, just what you need. And you'll even get two free gifts, including a pair of boxes and the Shed Travel Bag. So all you've got to do is go to the website, manscaped.com, get 20% off plus free shipping. Use the code POLICE, and that's 20% off plus free shipping. There's all sorts of great stuff on there. Say trick or treat to your beautiful new Halloweeny with Manscaped. This is, of course, the Thought Police. Last weekend, the Thought Police visited the Academy of Ideas Battlefest, which was an amazing event where lots and lots of people who believe in free speech decided to get together and talk about stuff, some stuff that nobody really talks about. And we were joined, myself and Kevin O'Sullivan, by Sarah Fillimore, who is a lawyer who's very interested uh, in the good and bad law projects that she's involved in. Uh, she's helped an awful lot of people make sure they don't get arrested for thought crimes. And, of course, Frank Ferrady, who's a sociology professor and a man who's got some ideas right up our... Because this entire show lasted for an hour and a half, we've split it into three separate podcasts. That was the end of part one. Stay tuned on The Thought Police for parts two and three. Street. Here's what happened. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Battle of Ideas at Church House, our first podcast of the day. It features the Thought Police with Frank Ferrady and Sarah Fillimore. Hello. I'm going to put this here if that's all right. It feels weird sitting 
with my back to people, but I'm terribly sorry about that. Uh, you get to see Kevin instead. Popular demand. I don't want to see your yeah. face. Welcome to the Thought Police. Hello, everybody. And uh, yeah, I'm Mike Graham. He's Kevin O'Sullivan. Hi. Uh, that's Frank Ferrady. That's Sarah Fillimore. Hello. Um, when I asked these two how they wanted to be introduced, he said, a very good-looking man. She <laughs> said, um, a bit Uma Thurman, uh, but cleverer. <laughs> <laughs> um, she may be right about that. Anyway, um, we're going to talk about all sorts of things today. You're going to have a chance to ask us questions and say whatever you want to say. It's going to be made into a podcast that we'll put out uh, probably sometime next week, perhaps. Um, but I guess we're going to start, Kevin, with an explanation of what the Thought Police is. We formed this idea of uh, doing, you know, sort of basically talk radio at the time, only with swearing. Um, yeah. We're going to try not to swear too much today, because mm-hmm. there might be people who have sensibilities about that. So try not to say the F word yeah. too often. Um, but there's an awful lot to... Could be t- <laughs> <laughs> Under the circumstances, that will be very but difficult. There is an awful lot to fucking swear about, to be honest. So, um, <laughs> tell us a bit about Thought Police first. Well, uh, for, we, for, for the we older uh, listeners, uh, if you remember Derek and Clive, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore, it's kind of Derek and Clive without the laughs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean... It, 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 it's, it's childish sometimes, it's, uh, we, we are profane to a ludicrous extent, we swear too much, it is deliberately provocative, sometimes deliberately offensive, sometimes I think we probably cross the line but that's on purpose. Uh, so it's a no holds bar chat between two mates but we do cover serious issues, uh, so it's, if you like... It's a bit like a political discussion, a discussion of uh, important issues between two guys as if they were in the pub having a few pints, uh, so the language can be bad. And sometimes we are, frankly, uh, juvenile. Yeah, and I mean, it actually generally is recorded in a pub. Yeah, it's it's (laughs) helped. But the other thing is that that it is quite surprising in a way that it hasn't been in this very turgid time that we live, that it hasn't been banned yet, because uh, it goes out... On all the usual platforms, Apple Podcasts, you know, Spotify, yeah. Yeah. you know, the wokists uh, actually put it out there. I don't think they listen to it because if they did, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it would be. It we should be. be quiet about this because uh, I think both <laughs> of us do deliberately say things there to uh, engineer us getting into trouble, uh, but we never do quite seem to. It will happen one day, I trust yes. me. Yeah, I think so. Um, Frank and Sarah, welcome. We, we, don't, we normally don't have guests, but, but we're delighted to have you guys here because, I mean, what a week to do this. Battle of ideas, right? We've got Absolutely. a government with no ideas. When they do have an idea, <laughs> when they do have an idea, they change their mind and have a different idea and decide that the first idea was wrong. I mean, can you believe Jeremy Hunt is actually in the government? I mean, Jeremy Hunt is like my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's the guy that gets everything wrong, you know, sort of with monotonous regularity. <laughs> But he's also so up his own rear end in the way he, d- he delivers his statements. He, th- he thinks like he's an expert, political expert. And when you hear him on the Today program, he's got that, that tone of voice, which is meant to be reassuring. I'm reassuring yeah, you. Very condescending. Very condescending. He's like so paternalistic that you kind of wonder, how did he ever get elected? Why did people put trust in him? Because it's very, very clear that he really hates and has contempt for all of us ordinary people. Anybody that isn't from the Hunt family is seen as being morally inferior in some shape or form. Yeah, and I mean, he's a great ad- advert for what's wrong with the electoral system in this country, isn't he? Because if people like him can get elected, 
that's why we have to change the system. Right? I think he's a great advert for exactly what's wrong with the modern Conservative Party. It's forgotten what being a Conservative means. This is a guy, uh, he's now trying to rewrite history, but during the lockdowns he spoke in th yeah, really passionately and enthusiastically about how the Chinese were dealing with the COVID <laughs> crisis. He's a big COVID, zero COVID fan. And he told the story of his sister who lives in Beijing. And it was, it, you, you can watch it, get, look the video up on Google. He said, now my sister, she lives in Beijing. Now when she flew back to China, the police were waiting and they took her to her apartment and they locked her in and they checked <laughs> and, and they made sure she didn't come out for two weeks yeah. uh, she, yeah. he now says that he uh, was an opponent of lockdowns he was not he loves yeah. lockdowns yeah. and this is the problem with the modern Tory party is they've forgotten the tenet of t conservatism that appeals to me and that is uh, a protection of liberty, our liberty, mm. libertarianism. Uh, and uh, people like uh, Jeremy Hunt have no concept of that whatsoever. No. He's a paternalist. And Sarah, he's impossibly rich as well. I don't know where they find these guys who have made so much money. I mean, I'm not against people being wealthy no. at all. But, you know, he's got so much money that you think, how did you get that much money? Well, I think he's really? very interesting. It's illustrative of a wider problem, isn't it? Which came first, the collapse of the elites and our respect for them, or the collapse of the ability to think? Mm. So I'm not sure which came first, but they're both now feeding into each yeah. other. And they say we get the politicians we deserve, which well, is pretty frightening. I'll tell you what, also, the, the BBC, uh, they don't get much right, but they've worked out uh, <laughs> how Jeremy Hunt's second name really should be pronounced. Yes, they really have. Yeah. There was a great, I mean, talking of the politicians we deserve, Liz Truss, we have, we have to mention her as well, obviously, because uh, that press conference yesterday was the most, one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. um, and there was a, a great sort of um, tweet put out yesterday by somebody from the Scotsman. And she came out and did that thing where she was clearly looking for people because she'd been told, you better go to Chris, and she's going, uh, 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 Chris. And it was like, he said, you know, this is what you look like when you're at the end of a night and you're in the kebab shop and you've got to the front of the queue and you yeah. kind of go, I don't know what to have. But uh, I had no idea Liz Truss could be this bad. Yeah, yeah. I think that Liz Truss is the invention of the new Tory party, yeah. where you basically uh, sort of select people on the, on the basis of their technocratic outlook. Mm. Yep. And uh, basically, the, the mantra in the Tory party which you have to internalize is follow the evidence. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard that expression? We're just following the evidence. Well, oh, God. And that's what, that's what Liz Truss well, does. Well, a huge disappointment to me because Liz Truss is one of the few politicians brave enough to stand up and say sex is a real thing and you should be allowed to talk about it. So I had high hopes. I thought this is a person of courage who believes in reality. So the disappointment's even more crushing but, you know, but you know, those... The, the, um, during the leadership race, uh, Pe Penny Morden was reborn about that. They all changed their minds because it became one of the tropes of the leadership yeah. contest that they all had to say a woman is a woman, a biological man can't be a woman. It, it, it was uh, seen as a popular thing to say. So Penny Morden completely changed her tune on that sort of thing. So I wouldn't put too much store by uh, Liz Truss's genuine belief in it. Well, they actually I, also I, did. I, I think that's also. a bit unfair, though, because she did stand firm against the reform to the Gender Recognition Act mm. and there was a lot of pressure that was when it was still considered I mean that's when women like me were still being reported to and recorded yeah. by the police yeah. for yeah. saying that sex is that the one thing, thing she actually has stood firm yeah. on because yeah. she, 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 she was going to say much. she's not famous for standing no. firm yeah. on I things, mean this is the she? thing I mean she was being 
sort of hailed as the new type of uh, prime minister because she could change her mind. But you know, yeah. we didn't want to change her mind every single day. <laughs> no, no, you no. know, we thought we might. Yeah, I've got this new uh, chance with the exchequer. Wait a minute, I've changed yeah. my mind. Yeah. <laughs> but but when she said that sex is a real thing. I think she was talking about her personal life. Yeah. Yes. Right then. Uh, sorry. There's a few stories there as there's well. Nothing, there's nothing worse than, a, than politicians and sex, really. I think, see, they shouldn't talk about football or sex, really. Yeah. I think that's the point. But let's um, go back to the beginning, Frank and, and Sarah, because for people who don't know who you are, I'm sure there aren't many in the room, but tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. Well, I'm by uh, training a, a sociologist, a professor of sociology, but I'm involved in a lot of free speech campaigns. I'm very active, uh, sort of, politically. I'm very passionate about freedom, which has taken over my life. And um, most of my books, in some shape or form, reflect that. My new books come out this week called The Road to Ukraine, How the West Lost Its Way. And I wrote it mainly because the one thing you can say about the Ukrainians is that they take their freedom seriously. And we can all learn from their example how important it is that we stand up and fight rather than uh, submit to the and in, in the Ukraine, the attack on freedom is obvious, and it's physical, and it's murderous. In our own country, attacks on freedom is much more ambivalent, and it's under the surface. And you and I are supposed to censor ourselves. That's what they want us to do. Mm. So we just learn to shut up yeah. rather than express And a lot of people do censor themselves now, don't too they? Too true, too true. And this is the biggest tragedy when you have university students, prime of their youth, watching their words. I was watching uh, uh, Piers Morgan. This is a little plug for Talk TV here. So few people know about it. Uh, Piers Morgan was interviewing Jordan Peterson a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, and he's always impressive, but he said something that really struck a chord with me. And he said, uh, in order to uh, adhere, to conform to the woke orthodoxy, we are required to lie. In other words, we are required to say, that bloke in a dress with a beard is a woman. Mm. And if you say, no, that's a bloke uh, in a dress with a beard, you're cancelled. Yeah. And that is uh, very, very frightening. Yeah. That is an affront to our freedom. It really is. And Sarah, this brings me to you, because your work is very much in that area, isn't it? Yeah, until 2019, I was living a relatively blameless life as just a middle-aged <coughs> barrister. Then one bored afternoon, I was scrolling on Twitter, and I saw the NSPCC, no less, <laughs> saying that they were going to report people to the police for objecting to the fact that one of their employees had filmed himself in a rubber suit masturbating at one of their offices. So I wrote um, a short email saying, that's not on, mm. and the rest is history. Harry Miller saw it, he rang me up and said, do you want to join Fair Cop, which had just started, and now Fair Cop has uh, led to the Bad Law Project. Mm. So we're developing a battle fund, because we need to get some money, we've got lawyers on standby, and we're now... It's like whack-a-mole every yeah. single day. I was going to say, the Bad Law Project <laughs> is writing another letter to another police force. The recent debacle you probably all saw was Devon and Cornwall, mm. who um, tweeted out some completely erroneous definition of a hate crime, mixing it up with hate incident. Fair Cop tweet account pointed this out and was blocked. Mm. So a couple of letters later, they've unblocked us and issued an apology, which is lovely, but we should not have to be doing this no. in 2022. It's really alarming. Why do you think uh, police forces have become like this? Uh, we're talking about chief constables mainly. I mean, they are told day in, day out that the public don't like this, and yet, incorrigibly, they will not change their ways. At the risk of sounding like a conspiracy theorist, I think the ground has been laid for this over decades I don't know if you read Denton's The Law Firm published its How to Get Legislation Through Stealthily. Document. I didn't read that one. but yeah. <laughs> A couple of years ago, it caused a big stir, quite 
foolish of them to make it public, I think, but it was clearly saying, if you've got these ideas, you can get them in with legislation that's more popular. Just, just slide it in and no one will notice. And I think that's exactly what happened with transgender identity becoming a monitored strand for hate crime. It was slid in mm. to legislation in mm. 2015 that removed legal aid from civil proceedings. So, of course, everyone's focus was on that. Everyone was going, this is appalling. And then slipped in was a little um, section saying transgender identity is now a monitored strand for hate crime. Not misogyny, not sex, transgender identity. There's another thing, which is, if you look at the leading members of the police force, all the commissioners, where, where are they educated? And where do they get their ideas from? And these days, they go to the universities. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to be an inspector, you go on a university course for two or That's three right. months. Yeah. What do you learn in those courses? Well, what you learn in those courses is precisely about uh, woke ideology. You learn about the, the importance of fighting hate. You learn about diversity. I mean, it's nonstop diversity. So when you come out, you know, you've been given a script. This is the script They've for... they brainwashed. Uh, totally. You've, you've been indoctrinated. Mm -hmm. And many of them, even if they're cynical about it, even though their common sense says this is stupid, they still know that for their career, yeah. it's important to talk the talk. Yeah. Skills are similar. I mean, my kids have got um, pretty reasonable views about most things, but, but you know, I'm surprised sometimes when, when we have conversations around the dinner table, you know, what's going on. I mean, everyone that they know knows somebody who's got a trans kid, you know, mm -hmm. and it's becoming a thing. And I was saying, you know, you've just explained it basically, but I've been saying, for, for many months, you know, how, when did this all happen? You know, when did we suddenly wake up and we were in this weird, weird world can I, can where I what you, you see is not what you get? You know? Can I give you yeah. another example from law? In 2016, we had a very interesting case where mermaids were involved and they were heavily criticised. And this little boy was four and his mother said he disdained his penis and he was removed from her care under risk of significant harm. And mermaids were involved in pushing that. Fast forward to 2019. We then have a High Court judge who can see nothing at all peculiar about two foster children, so they're not related, aged four and seven, transitioning. Yeah. But the most shocking manifestation of this insane wokery that has engulfed this country is, of course, the Tavistock Clinic, mm -hmm. uh, Frankenstein's castle, where grown adults performed experiments on children uh, to change their gender, mm. to change their lives, to give them these beta-blocking drugs, uh, which would change their lives forever. It's just extraordinary that that was an N well that remains an NHS clinic it is still operating I mean it's being closed down but it is still there doing its thing but it's extraordinary but Frank, how, how did that happen yeah but also how is it possible for everything to have become so polarised you know because I'm not um, what I would consider to be um, anything you know I'm not really against anything I'm quite happy for people to do whatever they want to do you know if you want to you know identify as a duck be my guest I don't yeah. really mind if you want me to quack at you maybe I'll you know I won't but the point is, at the end of the day, surely... Oh, the microphone's now sounding a bit different. I don't know what's happened there. You know, but, but because there will genuinely be people who are born into the wrong gender. There will genuinely be people, presumably, who want to transition to a different gender. And so we should allow that, presumably. But, but so how do, we, how do we find ourselves in this kind of place where everybody is either on one side or the other? And there's but, no middle ground. There's no grey area. Well, you know, the interesting thing is it's not just the, the trans issue, but every single identity group... Uh, for whom their identity is really all-encompassing. This is who they are. Mm. You know, this, is, this is really me. They, they actually feel that if you raise some questions about their ideas, you're not criticizing their ideas, you're calling their very persona into question. Mm. 
So a lot of them experience what I say or what you might say isn't it's not just simply a criticism, but as an annihilation of their existence. And they become so badly imbued with this that this becomes the norm. Now, you mentioned the Tavistock Clinic. Most people don't know, but even before the trans issue kicked in, that clinic, has, which, was, which was set up back in the 40s, a long, long, long time ago, has been in the forefront of medicalizing everyday life. They're the ones that have almost literally invented what today we call the mental health crisis, where every, you know, every personal problem that we have these days is now seen as a mental health issue. You know, if you're shy, you've got social phobia. If you're, if you're grieving, if you're grieving for a lost relative, you've got a mental health issue. No, you're not. Exactly. You're sad. Exactly. That's not so, mental health. So, so they've been accomplices, I mean, systematically, in changing British culture. And Interesting. So when the trans issue comes along, that was like, you know, baby heaven for them. That was like what they were really looking for, because now they could find a new area to make an impact. And in sociology, we call them moral entrepreneurs. They basically, you know, sort of hustle and create a little industry around their ideas. And and, there is a lot of money to be made, isn't there? A lot of money, but the, the, it's not even the money. The worst thing is the insidious impact, a corrosive impact, that they have on public life. Because after a while, you know, it's the clinic that says that. They're experts, mm -hmm. they're doctors. And people defer to that, not realizing that they're just, you know. So What's this about, though, Frank? Is it, is it control? No. I, well, I think they actually have this, they actually have this diminish view of what a human being is. They think that people are not citizens, but they're more like patients. I mean, they do treat us like potential patients rather than you know, grown-up individuals. And it's part of their strategy of infantilizing everyday life. I mean, the whole trans issue is a prime example of the way in which, you know, if a four-year-old child can decide that they're transitioning, that is like the reverse of infantilization, that's called the adultification of childhood. And it's about seeing children not as human beings, but simply as pawns who are expendable and used for your ideology. There's a really chilling um, talk given by an American surgeon who's saying, oh, cut the breasts off. If they want breasts later on, we can put them back on. Oh. <clears throat> Treating human bodies literally like bits of Lego. And that's okay, because it's in pursuit of this ideology. You see, my favourite law is the law of unintended consequences because it's all-powerful. And this is what happens when you cede law and policy to those with vulnerable personalities who make it all about their identity. We are now reaping um, what we've sown. And is it also about the fact that the metropolitan kind of attitude, the metropolitan elite, if you like, are the ones who are pushing it? Um, I'm pretty sure if you go to... Uh, we went and did a show up in Wall's End, uh, Newcastle. Um, I haven't seen a poorer place in Britain, I don't think. Um, I don't think if you walk around the streets of Wall's End, where there are no cars parked, because nobody can afford one, by the way, um, they're not going to be saying the most important issue in our world is, is gender identity. Well, they don't care. Except, except for one thing. I think you're right, but the, the tragedy is that in their schools, the young children, when they're six, seven, or eight, are being indoctrinated mm. to normalize this way of thinking. And you, you'll find that in, even in relatively deprived areas of our country, a lot of young kids think it's very, very cool. You know, sort of, so I, I did an interview with some, some parents, and they were saying that once one girl comes back from school and says, hey, Dad, uh, uh, I think I'm a boy, then her girlfriends will say that, and other girls, and it becomes a, con a, a kind of it's contaminating. A trend, and, no can, and can I just jump in and say why this is so terrifying? I work in family law, mainly child protection proceedings, so children who are removed from families and taken into care because they're at risk of significant harm. There have been clear assertions from the social work profession 
that to deny a child's trans identity is a risk factor and you can expect to be investigated. There's a high correlation in areas of deprivation and increased care proceedings. Okay. So these are parents who are facing enormous economic challenges, who may not be highly educated, who are having a middle-class social worker telling them, if you refuse to be on board with this, then you're no longer fit to be a parent. And the, the, the sort of flames of this scourge are, of course, fanned by the teaching industry. Teachers, you know, they are indoctrinating generations of kids into a whole new way of thinking which uh, to say yeah. the least is scientifically dubious and let's go back to the political side of all of this uh, guys because there is a problem with opposition in this country I mean Keir Starmer is it uh, yeah. for the moment maybe he will be the next Prime Minister which is pretty terrifying talk uh, for most of us I don't think anybody wants the Tories anymore I yeah. think they're finished I don't think anybody cares who comes in next and that's a really bad place I think for the country to be but on this sort of issue, on these, on these culture war issues, as they say, I mean, nobody has any disagreements. You know, everybody in the House of Commons is on the same page. Right? And, and, and the House of Lords. Yeah, I mean, it, it's well, that's even worse. You know, it's interesting how the entire political class thinks the culture war is a diversion. Some of them even deny that it exists. Mm. They say, oh, Frank, how can you talk about a culture war? It's just a fiction. Yeah, that's right. And they themselves are complicit mm. yeah. in promoting the kind of laws that... Uh, you know, Sarah was talking about, you know, that, that they're the ones that create them and they don't, oh, it's not a culture war, this is just a sensible way of... It's where the Tories have gone so badly wrong. Boris was appalling on all this. Uh, yeah. They basically turned around, shrugged their shoulders about all of this well, they, as they, if it's not important. They haven't had an effective uh, but it's, opposition. It's, it's very pernicious what's going mm -hmm. on. Uh, and, and although we've ostensibly had a, a Conservative government for 12 years, what has happened under their auspices is the rise and rise of this kind of left-wing uh, woke blob and uh, this country is actually governed by them because politicians are kowtowed by these people and they basically do what they say and the Tories particularly Boris should have stood up against it and they have not but, but isn't that because he didn't really believe in anything well no because, no, because I, he's a metropolitan elite yeah but they were they worse than the Labour Party I mean it, look at Theresa May and Penny Morden all these people they were much more complicit in bringing in all these horrible yeah. things. But if you don't have an effective opposition, this is exactly what happens when yeah. your opposition is Keir Starmer saying, in terms, it is wrong to say that a woman has a cervix. Yeah. So this, there was nobody holding them to account. So this is what we slide into then. Yeah. It is extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, I was watching a clip of that woman uh, who was nominated as the Supreme, Supreme Court in America, the first black uh, advocate to be yeah. put in there, and she refused to answer the question. She was asked you know, can you define a woman? And she just said, I'm, I'm not going to go there. I'm well, not going to do that. And, she went, and, and loads she said, of them did it here. And then she said, I'm yeah. not, her, her reasoning was, I'm not an expert in biology. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are actually a woman, though. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, enough British politicians have been there. No, there was that phase when they were all asked, uh, can you define yeah. a woman? Well, no, I mean, when we were... And they was, would not answer. Well, there was a time whenever you got a Labour politician on. Yeah, you, you asked know, them. You just yeah. say, can you define a woman? Yeah. Oh, well, you know... Mm, but it's very difficult. It's very complicated. It's not, actually. But, Mike, it's Going back to the point that you made, yeah, of course, there are going to be people who don't like their bodies. I don't like my body. I was born disabled. I've got to get on with it. There are going to be people who don't like the body they've got. They think if they dress or act or are called something else, that will make them happier. And great. I've got no problem mm. with that. And they should be protected from abuse. They shouldn't be sacked because of it. But the underlining physical reality never changes. When I've got an artificial leg, it'll be very wrong of you to shout abuse. Say, oh, peg leg. Yeah. It'll be very wrong for someone to sack me. 
but I can't make you believe that I have two real legs yes. because I don't. But also, you didn't exactly walk in here with a big thing. sign saying, I've got a, you know, a fake leg. Am I allowed to call it a fake leg? Yeah, call, call um, it what you like. <laughs> 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 I've got a fake leg, and it's every a, time... It's, it's a strange name what you for it. <laughs> no, no, but the analogy, Mike, I'm making is it was I walked in with a big sign What would you saying, call it, then? Uh, I don't know. No, see? Artificial. He can't Arti- define it. Yeah. Artificial. He can't define it. If I what do you call in, it, sir? Artificial? I, just, I call it an artificial leg. There you but, go. Artificial but, the, but the analogy I'm making is if I walked in with a big sign saying, look at me and my two lovely legs, yes. everyone believe. That's actually That's quite dangerous. Doing, I mean, on an aeroplane, I can't sit in certain places right. because I would impede the exit of everyone else. Mm-hmm. So disabled people are told, you go and sit at the back, able-bodied right. to the front. But, but that's life. You've got to master the language. Yeah. So you've, got to say, thing, you've got to yeah. say, my artificial leg is identifying as a real leg. Yeah. 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 Then, we, then we all have to accept <laughs> well, exactly. it is a real leg. Is, you yeah. laugh, but this, this whole Leicester police are doing a hate crimes campaign. They've got a picture of a person called Jane. Now, I'm not wishing to be unkind, but Jane was very clearly... For the first 50 years of Jane's life, a man. And Jane has now put on a wig and is saying it's really hurtful when people use the name I used to be called. And that's being trumpeted by Lester mm. as a hate crime. It is not a hate crime. And it's really, really troubling that the police are now at the vanguard of telling us that these kind of things ought to be criminal. Because it's easy to police. Uh, And, uh, you know, on the subject of hate crimes, I mean, Tony Blair brought in hate crimes in 1997, the first laws in this country, I think, since the 16th century, uh, which made something that you might say illegal. Before that, uh, you could say anything. It was impossible to commit a crime for what you said. Uh, ever since then, the floodgates have been opened. Of course, Gordon Brown added to the mix, you know, so Tony Blair brought in, I think, uh, uh, race hate, and then Gordon Brown put in homophobia, transphobia, yeah. uh, a disabled phobia, etc., etc., etc. Now, you know, it, it's horrible to be hateful about uh, people, but it should not be a crime, and making uh, statements a crime was the worst thing that's ever happened to this country. Look at the state of it. Yeah. Well, you is. ended up in court, didn't you? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I speak from experience. <laughs> I mean, it is quite hateful. But I mean, tell, yeah, us, yeah. tell us briefly what happened. Well, uh, I, I was on a train uh, some years ago. I'd been to a, a colleague's funeral down in Kent, and I was discussing, uh, talking with a, another colleague on the train. We were having a chat, uh, and it, I, I think it was about football or something. Anyway, this guy... Uh, Turned out he was a lecturer from your university, Frank, uh, Kent University. Thank you. <laughs> I want you to go and have a word with him. In fact, beat him up for me. Uh, he, uh, he stood up and, said, and just shouted at us, I will not tolerate your misogynistic language for one moment longer. And we, were, we went, what? What? Uh, to cut a long story short, it turned out that in those days I was on the telly quite a lot. And uh, he'd recognised me and thought I was a Fleet Street fascist. May well have been right, actually. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> he, um, he just sort of towered over me. I just said, go away, go away. <laughs> anyway, the, the, the trains got pulled up at the next station and the cops got on and God knows what. And uh, the British Transport Police uh, called me down for an uh, interview and... Uh, I said, well, you know, what's, what's, he said, well, there's no problem because he's not pressing charges, but we just wanted to have a word with you. You, you can't behave like that. I said, well, I didn't do anything. Uh, anyway, so well, I just dropped what, it. He was accusing you of misogyny. He was calling me misogyny, uh, hate language, hateful language about women. 
uh, and assaulting him. He actually hit me. Uh, anyway, which I didn't care about. But uh, so they... So they said, anyway, we just wanted to have a word with you, which in itself is quite sinister and chilling. You know, uh, but the, the case won't go any further. About two weeks later, I get a summons. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be done for um, actual bodily harm, uh, homophobically aggravated actual bodily harm. So this saga went on for two years. It cost me £60,000. I had to hire a barrister, ended up in court for two... Uh, strange days and at the end of it uh, the judge said uh, said to me I'm really sorry you should never have been here this is an outrage I was completely acquitted Uh, but it just goes to show that in this day and age you know we live in the age of the accusation you know once you are accused you are now guilty you you, you, it's not you you are not innocent until proven Mm. guilty you are innocent until you are accused uh, anyway, that was, so that was a, a hate crime that I was accused of, and I think it's typical of so many hate crimes. They are a device by which your colleague, people like your colleague, who turned out, of course, to be a left-wing extremist, uh, by, they're a device by which they hit, hit yeah. people like us over the head with. I mean, when my experience what? hasn't been as bad as yours, but I just thought, can I try a quick experiment? If anybody in this room can guess what the police recorded the following tweet under the heading of. It was a tweet where I said, my dog would call me a Nazi for cheese. And then it's a picture of my dog looking really cute. Can you guess what they recorded that as? Uh, uh, a cheese hater? <laughs> <laughs> it was recorded along with 12 pages of my tweets as hatred towards transgender individuals. Right. Sorry? No. <laughs> yeah. um, it took me a year to get them to delete it. I had to threaten them with lawyers and they paid £12,000 of my costs. But I was recorded by Wiltshire Police as a barrister posting hate. For that. How did they make that connection? Did they ever explain it? Because somebody malicious, this is entirely the problem behind these, because it's malicious people, uh, made a report against me. And simply what he'd done, he'd gone to my Twitter feed, he'd searched for the word Nazi, trans, police, and anything that came up he reported, and they had to record it. This is the thing. The mm. police were given no leeway. They're not allowed to challenge the rationality or the sense of the reporter. <coughs> they just assume that it's awful, and they... And how does this industry uh, continue? How does it prosper? I'll tell you how. Uh, It it, it is the police who, uh, for reasons that are beyond me, uh, record, write down what they call non-crime hate incidents. Uh, So that is... Isn't uh, that supposed to have been reversed? Well, this makes it look as if uh, incidents of hate crime against trans people are spiralling. It hasn't been reversed. What the Court of Appeal said, this... Recording of perception-based yeah, yeah, reporting yeah. is unlawful <coughs> because it's not. The police didn't give any consideration to it? Article it's not 10. A crime. Why are they well, doing there's, it? There's a very. I mean, underneath the law and everything else, there's a very powerful cultural pressure mm. in this direction. It's and that's the insidious bit because if you watch any TV program on Netflix or on any other uh, medium, the values they promote are precisely these: that that people who are part of the, the heteronormative lobby are horrible. People who are trans are automatically very sensitive and by definition phenomenally brave. I mean, every, every, every character, seriously. I mean, watch something brave. like... And, and, brave victims. And, and you watch that program called Sex Education. 
Because this entire show lasted for an hour and a half, we've split it into three separate podcasts. That was the end of part one. Stay tuned on The Thought Police for parts two and three. Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.